Season 6 of the CMO Suite is presented by Bid for Media. Bid for Media is the leader in providing biddable media solutions across all forms of media, including traditional, digital, social, experiential, and more. It's like eBay for media. Choices from radio and TV advertising to OTT, trade desk, display advertising, influencer marketing, and more. No sign-up fees, no boring training, no bullshit. Visit them at bidformedia.com. Season 6 of the CMO Suite is also sponsored in part by Uconnex. Uconnex provides managed services in the programmatic space for brands and agencies across the U.S. and internationally. It uniquely provides true transparency in the programmatic space by sharing how much of each campaign actually goes to publishers, platform, and how much is profit. If you are looking to better understand true working dollars or are just looking for an audit of your existing digital partnerships, visit them at uconnex.com. That's Y-O-U-C-O-N-N-E-X.com. And Winmo. Winmo is one of the leading sales prospecting tools that delivers the information you need to identify opportunities and close more deals with advertisers and agencies. Search brands, agencies, or contacts and leverage Winmo's smart filters to pare down thousands of prospects based on annual revenue, job title, locations, mobile occurrence, planning periods, and more. Visit them today at winmo.com. And finally, No Kid Hungry. With season six, we'll be completing our 100th episode of the CMO Suite and we're proud to announce we'll be compiling highlights of our previous guests for a book called CMO Sweets, Recipes for Success, with proceeds to benefit the No Kid Hungry organization. Help feed hungry kids by donating today at nokidhungry.org. And don't forget to visit Marketing Cast to catch any previous seasons you might have missed of the CMO Suite or to check out other amazing podcasts in the industry. Once again, that's marketingcasts.com. Now, let's start the show. You're in the CMO Suite, the podcast for marketers who want to be in the know, presented by Connectivity Holdings. You are listening to the CMO Suite. This is your host, Sean Halter. As a reminder, the CMO Suite is presented in part by Bid for Media, Biddable Media for the Masses. We are in season six, and I am incredibly excited. This is going to be a fun one and an interesting one. Our guest today is Taryn Raymond. She's the Chief Marketing Officer at FTD in New York City. Taryn, welcome to the show. Hi, thank you so much for having me. I say interesting only because um, Charlie Cole is the CEO and uh, Charlie was one of our very kind of one of our early on guests probably when I was still trying to figure this whole crazy thing out he was over at Toomey and I didn't actually realize it until I did a little bit of research for the show but you were over there as well were you there at the same time I was yes that's actually how I met Charlie so yeah it's kind of interesting and we'll dig into that just a little bit but I was talking to somebody uh, on an earlier podcast and one of the things I said to him was like you know what do you wish you had done more of and he just said I wish I had kind of networked a little bit more kind of going through he said I was so kind of focused on just path 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 that I maybe didn't take enough time to kind of look around and see who was around me and kind of build some of those relationships. But again, here's potentially, probably, obviously, you know, a perfect example of somebody that you meet along the way. And obviously, if you do good work, when they end up somewhere else, then some way, somehow you end up, your paths end up continuing to cross from time to time. Yeah, for sure. I, th- I think it's a small world, but networking is, is certainly important. And yeah, he's been he's been a great mentor and, and everything for me since since Toomey. So it's it's been fun. So I was going to say about uh, about Charlie, the interesting uh, thing when he was over at Toomey was again, like we, we were, I think he was maybe in, in season two. So he kind of jumped right in. We did a giveaway with him. He sent me a Toomey bat. I mean, it was nice. It was, it was nice. He's a, and he's a smart, 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 smart guy, you know? And so it was great to see him head over to FTD. And then it was obviously great to see him move in the direction that he has. And he, he brought you over. So have you always been in New York? Again, I did a little bit of research, but I didn't go all the way back to your childhood. So where did you grow up? Yeah. So born and raised in New Jersey. Actually, I live in Hoboken, New Jersey. I, I haven't, I haven't left New Jersey, which is kind of crazy. When I was first offered this job, we're actually headquartered in 
Chicago. And I started in April of last year. So April of 2020, and we were in the middle of lockdown. <laughs> so yeah. the plan was to move to Chicago, but we're still uh, 100% remote. So we'll see where that goes. But it might be my opportunity to get out of Jersey. You, you never know. Chicago is an amazing, amazing city. I spent a few fun years when I was a little bit younger there. But you were talking about the fact that, again, obviously lockdown is still kind of not kind of here, it is here. And obviously work from home has, has changed dramatically. We were doing a season, we were doing season five in New York City in April of, is that 19, 20, 19? When did the pandemic start? It feels like it's all blended together now. <laughs> yeah, the last couple of years are a blur. I think early 20. <laughs> Thanks. Thanks for reminding me. I'm one year older too. Uh, so we were in New York. We were actually recording podcasts. That's where we actually record a lot of our stuff. And I just remember like us kind of talking about like, oh, so this, what is this thing that's kind of happening? And then we we tend to record a lot of our episodes kind of uh, you know all at once. And then it kind of hit. And then we held the episodes. And then we were like, well, what did we kind of do? We don't want to be talking about marketing in the middle of kind of chaos. So we went back back and just kind of talked to a bunch of those people. We added a little kind of tail end piece of it, but I have not been back in the city since I'm going to be there in about a week, but it'll be the first time I've been back in well over a year, year and a half, I guess. Yeah, I'm kind of in the same boat. I've been in, I think maybe once or twice, but I mean, going from being there every single day to once or twice in the last like year and a half is kind of crazy. Yeah, it's a little nuts. So talk about um, growing up uh, there. What kind of got you into this industry? What did your parents do? Yeah, so I mean, I've always been really interested in business. It's just been something, I, my, my dad was in business. He kind of started his own company when I was small and then kind of went over to the corporate world as I as I got older. But it's always been something that's been really interesting to me, especially just the consumer behavior aspect of business, which is kind of how I got into marketing. In my first role, actually, out of college, I was doing more B2B marketing. And then I moved over to the consumer side and I've, I've stayed in it ever since. I mean, it's something I've just always truly enjoyed. And I've hopped around to a, a few different areas of retail. So from B2B at Conica Minolta, and then I went over to the agency side for a few years working on consumer retail clients where I just learned a ton. I feel like the agency world just kind of preps you for so much in the future. Chaos. Um, it preps you for chaos. It, yes. it does. It, it, it really does. You're kind of ready for anything after that. And then from there, actually, I went over to Toomey, as you mentioned, uh, where, I, where I met Charlie Cole. And I continued running digital marketing efforts there. But I also added analytics to my responsibilities, which was wonderful. And then prior to moving over here to, to, to uh, FTD, I was actually at Kohan, kind of running all mark all of uh, acquisition and retention marketing. So. so you were you were talking. I want to go backwards for just a second. You're talking yeah. a little bit about your time at New York and Company, and so that was almost. 10 years ago now, and you were handling email and some brand marketing elements that are there. And again, 10 years doesn't seem like a long time, but 10 years in this industry, especially in the parts that you're in, it almost seems like it's a lifetime ago. What do you feel like you took away from that that you've managed to kind of keep as a thread as you've kind of moved your, you know, your way along this journey? Yeah, I mean, I think you're right. It's changed so much in the last 10 years. I mean, even just from a technology standpoint, I think being able to get into it, you know, that at that time, it kind of got me to like, it forced me to get into the weeds. So like, if you were to ask me to HTML code an email right now, <laughs> I could do it. No, I feel like no one in the email space needs to know how to do that anymore. I mean, yeah. it, 
there's all these WYSIWYGs and things of that nature. But I think kind of being able to understand like those true, true basics and then how just how much more we can build upon that. So like customer journeys were always a thing. They were just more manually built. But I think that like foundation now with these technologies that automate it helps you to really like get into it a little deeper. It is interesting to talk to some executives who kind of have come from that digital space. Like that was really where they kind of cut their teeth in the first place. They didn't necessarily have to spend time, you know, in traditional media or like how many grips do we have for our TV campaign. But it does weave you much, much closer to the consumer itself. It does give you that really very close touch point where you can split test something and, you know, within within a day, you kind of know whether this is resonating or it's not resonating. There's still so many businesses and there's still a lot of CMOs that are still now just trying to figure out like, how do I get into that space? You know, they've been in this other world for so long, which felt so big. It was where so much of that money was, but that shift is just happening kind of faster and faster and faster. And if you're not trying to, you know, learn some of that along the way, you're you're going to you're going to get passed, you know, uh, by. I finally had to download Slack on my cell phone. That's that's how entrenched I was in begging my teams to just not add one other platform to my phone. And luckily for me, for the last few years, they were like, okay, you're the boss. But now we're in the midst of developing a SaaS product within our holding group. And those developers don't care. I'm like, yeah, I don't use Slack. They're like, well, then you won't be talking to me. And I'm like, dang it. So you just get into it. It's almost like a new language in some ways. You learn so much from it that it just becomes embedded. And again, for you, you've been in it for a chunk of time. You're almost a veteran, which is kind of crazy to think of in the space. As you made your way into Toomey, talk about that a little bit because you were there for you know a little length of time around 2013 and then you uh, you know left around 2019. And as you said, you kind of your, your role changed a little bit along the way. And so talk about that role a little bit and how did it change over the, the you know almost six years you were there? Yeah. So when I first started there it was really focused on email email was I, when I was on the agency side, I worked within all the channels, but email was sort of just like this. I loved it. I was one of those people who just like loved to dive into consumer data and segment it. What did you love so, about it? Was it just that, the fact that you have almost instantaneous response to a message that you sent out? Yeah, I think it's a combination of that. It has a little bit more creativity behind it too. Super data driven. So to your point, you can kind of get results pretty quickly and iterate off of it fast. So yeah, I, I was just super drawn to it. So so I went over to Toomey with that being one of my initial goals and was really to bring their email program in-house and build it out, which I did. And then from there, kind of took on the rest of all of the digital marketing channels, as well as analytics responsibilities, because I sat on the e-commerce team, which was great. So it was it was sort of a combination of like marketing worlds, but also like how is everything converting on the site? What are all of those metrics and combining the two together? So yeah, it was it was a, it was great to be able to combine the two. It feels a little like an iceberg sometimes, meaning you know if you've spent any length of time in in this industry, you probably feel like, well, I, I probably know you know a little bit of almost everything. But then there is this kind of Pandora's box to some extent. Sometimes you you go down a new hall, you open a new, a new door, and suddenly you realize, oh my gosh, there is still so much more here marketing is so crazy like that. There's so many little tentacles. So what was the hardest part, do you think, for you during that time? Was it just learning on the fly and trying to just figure out the resources to be able to learn? Or was there something else that was like, dang, I, I'm, I'm struggling with this part a little bit and I really need to overcome it because it's important? I'm pretty good at learning on the fly. I think that piece was all right. I think it was just sort of like balancing, taking on all of these responsibilities. It was my first time like building a team out like more robustly than I had before. Pre- 
previous to then, I really only had maybe a couple of direct hires, but then it to me, you know, taking on all those responsibilities had to grow a much larger team. So I would say that that learning curve, it, it was it was a, it was a learning curve <laughs> it was, and definitely got a lot out of it. We're going to make sure we spend a lot of time on on kind of what your plans have been since you've gotten to FTD. But I wanted to just mention one final thing on Toomey before we move off of it, which was I still remember uh, this season we're going to we're going to finish our hundredth episode. So we'll have had a hundred guests by the end of the season. I still remember one of those kind of lean in moments when I was talking to Charlie during uh, his podcast where he was talking about the, some of the changes that you guys were making it to me at the time of how you talked to consumers. And so some of that conversation was wrapped around, let's stop doing it this way where we're just waiting for people to go on our website because by the time they get there, they're already kind of pretty pissed off. Let's figure out where they are. Let's add in all of these other kind of elements to be able to wherever that listening is or that speaking is happening, make sure that we're listening to it and not not send them back to the site. Let's tell them wherever they are, we'll take care of it kind of from there. I was oddly fascinated by that approach because I just felt like you didn't see it much and I feel like although some are getting a little better at it, it still felt kind of new in my head like, wow, really? Were you part of yeah. that process? I was, yeah. I mean, you know, when it came, when it came to me, we we weren't just direct to consumer. I mean, you can, you know, we had all of our wholesale partners that we worked with as well. So we had to cater to that audience and make sure everyone was happy within all of those different channels. So to your point, it doesn't necessarily mean if they're on our site or they're a direct consumer of ours. Um, so partnerships were really important to us as well. And as you've made your way over to FTD, were you able to take... I'm assuming some of those learnings along the way, obviously completely different product, completely different targets in some ways, maybe some of the same. Do you feel like you were able to kind of take all of that experience that you kind of gained along that way in those consumer insights and uh, again, perhaps inject those in some ways that maybe FTD had been doing a little bit in the past, but really with Charlie at the head of it, you could kind of jump in there and not maybe have to ask so much permission because you kind of already knew the, the roadmap? Yeah, absolutely. I think what was great is so when Charlie joined about a year and a half ago, then he brought me on board and, and essentially a brand new executive team. It was that new, those new eyes on the brand was so important because the brand just needed a lot of help, especially coming to your point. It's, it's while it's retail, it's a very different industry. So coming from these different industries and, and bringing these different consumer insights in, it was, I think we were able to make these, these changes really quickly and they were super impactful as well. It's nice when you sometimes see, you know, what is in essence a legacy brand. And again, perhaps that executive team at some point realizes, look, we we better try to turn ourselves into a challenger brand or it's going to be one of those, yeah, we were here and and then what happened? And so I was really fascinated when when Charlie got that move just to kind of see kind of what's, what you know, what he was going to be up to along the way or where the team in essence that, that would be surrounded with within that, uh, that element. So what has been kind of the most interesting uh, difference for you between some of your previous stops and kind of this one? What, what, what's been kind of an interesting learning for you? Like, oh, I didn't expect that. That's interesting. Yeah. So FTD, so it's both FTD.com and flowers.com. And so how our business works is the majority of the products you're ordering from our site are florist, are florist arranged and delivered by someone local to where the recipient is. And then there are some dropship items as well. But as far as that local reach, there's that there's those florists sign up to be a part of our network. It, it, there was just the relationship between FTD and those members before we started was it wasn't great. <laughs> and I think that was probably one of the most surprising things to me. It's like they're they're supposed to be partners. I mean, they work with us super closely. So we realized when we joined that we kind of had to fix everything that was broken. We just do a lot more for them than just send them orders. So we support them via technology and marketing services. And we've made a number of changes and investments just to ensure that we're continuously lifting them up and ensuring that they're growing. And then we've also in 
invested a lot into modernizing our infrastructure too to best serve them. It's honestly one of the most fun and rewarding aspects of my job, just being able to to see them grow, especially during the pandemic. They did incredibly well. It, it was very exciting. Are they considered franchisees, or what's the what's the title that ends up kind of getting used with your partners in in the markets? Yeah, so we call them our members. And so for you, you know, you've been so data driven. Your whole career has been super data driven. You get a nice bump up to a you know to a, a chief marketing officer a title and a position, and then that kind of opens up this whole new thing. You get to take all of the data stuff that you know so well, but here you are spending you know a chunk of some of that time now working with members, you know, which is something maybe that wasn't exactly kind of part of any of your previous roles. And it almost kind of humanizes the industry a little bit, perhaps for you as well, where you get to kind of get in and realize, okay, these are these are real people and they've got a real business and we've got to make sure that that, that FTD brand is well represented, but that they have as much pride in it you know, as we do at the corporate level. So it probably also adds in this element of almost business to business within your role as, as a CMO, which is completely new in some ways. Absolutely. You, you, you're spot on right there. I mean, my, like I said, I mean, one of my first marketing roles was B2B, but I haven't used it since then. <laughs> so it it's kind of forced, it forced me to dig that piece up again. Yeah. And then all, there's also the consumer side because, you know, my team is running anything marketing related to drive traffic to FTD and proflowers.com. But then we're also marketing to our existing florist members, trying to get new florist members. We're doing marketing on behalf of them. So the different marketing programs, they sign up with us. So there's there's multi-layers here, which which has been fun. A nice drinking from the fire hose situation for you, I'm sure, on, on day one. Like, okay, here you go. Now you get to do all these things. Wait, what? Yes. <laughs> How do I do that? Who's my team? How do I build my team up? So talk about your team itself. Again, Charlie strikes me as somebody who kind of uh, brings in good people and then lets them kind of do their job and and focus on that. So how has that team evolved for you from kind of the moment that you stepped in your door again in the, in the midst of the start of this crazy pandemic to where you kind of sit now a year and a half later? Yeah. So when I first started, I'll be honest, the marketing team was just incredibly siloed. So if someone was working on display, that's all they looked at and they didn't look at any other channel. And so the first thing I did was have to break that down super quickly and really put this mindset of thinking full funnel, trying to get that consumer in through acquisition, retain them at the bottom of the funnel and making sure everyone's working together on that goal as opposed to just their one channel goal. And that's all they're looking at. We were also very much focused on profitability. So you know, you can imagine the email channel was thriving sure. because we were spending, it was the most profitable. Yep. We're sending tons and tons of emails, but we're harassing our consumers essentially. So, you know, one of that we cut that back, made sure again, thinking all all the channels and how can we reach them in different ways and the best channel to reach them. And we actually the florist marketing piece that I kind of just spoke to a little bit, it was it was sitting in a different department entirely. So hmm. brought that in. So my team's really focused, I kind of call it our five pillars. It's like retention, acquisition, florist, brand, and then lastly is our partnerships. So making sure that we're we're creating these brand appropriate partnerships. We're doing all the marketing we possibly can with them and, and really owning that piece of it as well. And I feel like for the teams that sit you know, typically underneath a CMO or a VP of marketing, I feel like they, for the most part, they don't want to be siloed. You know, they want the chance to be able to kind of see what does what I'm doing, how does that impact these other things? And at the same time, what is that other thing? Because I might want to stay here for a little while, but then I might want to go 
over there and, and, and work on some of this piece. I feel like that's kind of what I find. Did you find some of that with your team? Were you able to kind of bring in some of your own people and how has that team kind of grown over that year, year and a half for you? Absolutely. Like I said, I mean, I, I sort of breaking them into these different groups allows them to not just focus on one thing. I mean, they work super collectively and they're all really looking at everything, like all of the channels everywhere we're playing. They're not just focused on one thing. The team's grown a bit over the last year and a half. We've added some new team members. I was very, very lucky to inherit a really incredible team, especially considering I made them pivot so quickly. They were very fast learners. So we've only had to add a few more since uh, since since I started. But yeah, it's it's been really fun just to watch them all grow and, and learn and, and be able to think differently than they had for so many years previously. And so having done that again during the pandemic, not being in a you know, physical space, how have you managed to kind of create at least some element of that sense of team, you know, without crushing everybody with 26 Zoom calls, you know, uh, every every Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday? That's probably been the hardest part, honestly. I only met my team for the first time about two months ago. So in person, uh, you know, all we've done is do everything virtually. I'm thankful that the majority of them had met each other previously. So at least they already had some bonds. Mm-hmm. But for me to really bond with them virtually was 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 just something different I never had to deal with. So we, you know, there are, un- unfortunately, there are lots of Zoom meetings, um, but trying to make some of them more fun, some more just like low key, like getting to know each other meetings too, to make sure that we're not just always talking business. And then, like I said, I finally was able to meet them a couple months ago in person. And I think we forgot how important having those in-person meetings are. So it was just, it was really, really productive and it was nice to actually bond in person. They, they all just hit me up on Slack. They said that the meetings are fine. You're good to go. Tech seems to be something, obviously, every company is trying to figure out how to utilize technology more and more to be able to talk to their consumers in ways that consumers want, to be able to solve a need as opposed to sell. Where does tech fit within your portfolio right now? Obviously, I don't want you to talk about anything that's in the works that you're not allowed to talk about, but either some changes that you've that you've taken right away or some changes that you feel like are on the horizon. How does FTD manage to kind of stay tech forward? Yeah. So when I started, we actually migrated ESPs. Um, it was one of the first things that we did. We were on a, a system that just wasn't working for us. So now we're on something that's a little more forward facing, has predictive measures, things of that nature. So that was one of the first things we did. We also started launching a bunch of new channels. So like including SMS, CTV. So SMS required some technology, of course. And then we're just, we are constantly partnering with our tech team on their roadmap and making sure that anything marketing enabled is, is kind of on it. And we're all on the same page. So we do have some some more exciting things coming to down the line, but we're kind of we're kind of still working out the kinks to figure out there. How do you like that? Meaning I don't expect you to talk about the tech specifically, but you know, I'm 51, my club age is 46. You know, I'm always trying to kind of stay a little relevant in the space. I, I talked about Slack for just a second. You know, I begged them not to put me on that. But finally this year, you know, we're building something in tech. We're building a SaaS platform. And to me, again, that was this giant rabbit hole that I thought I knew everything there was that was out there to be built. And you get in the middle of this, it's a whole, it's like learning Russian. It's a whole new language in some ways, but it's cool. It's kind of exciting. You're actually building almost something physical, you know, and when you've, you, when you've been in a service business in essence, for so long, it just feels refreshing in some ways. So how do you feel like, again, not expecting you to talk about anything specific that's coming out, but how is, how is tech changing how you guys talk to consumers? 
especially now? Yeah, I mean, I think it's it's allowing us to reach them in different ways. So like I mentioned with the SMS piece, I think it's it's allowing us to kind of look into the future a little bit. So whether it's different like predictive measures, things like right. that. And then I think just tracking, tracking and analytics, just being able, especially I think you mentioned like as our world becomes cookie-less, just kind of getting some things in place that will allow us to measure in a different way and, and be able to target in different ways. That's, that's really important to us right now too. Are we going to do VR flowers, you know, at some point? I don't, I, you know, I, I don't know. I don't know what's out there. Maybe that's what's coming next. Flowers are, again, it's a big part, obviously, of the business. Are there other lines? Are there other lines of the business that you guys are kind of expanding into? And can you talk about that for, for just a little bit? flowers are, are, are definitely our core. We've expanded a lot within our plants business over the last year and a half. I'm sure you saw the plants trend during COVID and it hasn't really slowed down. Um, people are just continuing to buy and add to their collection. So we've definitely continued to expand there. We've also started working with some really cool and exciting new gifting partners. I think our gifting options previously needed a little bit of love and our merchandising team has done an incredible job in building them out and making some some more exciting options too. So yeah, so those are those are the main ones we've been looking at lately. You know, I feel like gifting is an area, especially because of COVID, you talked about your teams and being able to kind of see them or not see them or how do you kind of navigate all that. That really does tend to kind of, I don't want to say lend itself to gifting in some ways, but there is at least an opportunity in some ways to say, let's send some something of something to our teams and figure out a way to kind of incorporate that so that we're all either eating at the same time, we're all drinking wine at the same time or, you know, whatever that is. So I, I've been really intrigued by that gifting trend, which again has always been there, but it, it seems to be expanding kind of faster and faster. And perhaps again, some of the corporate element of rather than sending your clients these gifts, take your internal teams and be able to figure out some ways, again, just to give them a little amuse bouche kind of along the way. So what do you wish you knew more about, uh, Taryn? That's probably an, a, you know, a, a hard question to kind of unpack. But as you're in this really new role, you're a year and a half into it, there's a lot, there's so much that you know, to uncover, what do you, as you're looking out on landscape, what do you feel like, gosh, if I just had the time, I wish I knew more about this. Oh, that is a really good question. I would say, I feel like I'm going to like take that and say like, what's the one thing I'm maybe worrying the most about right sure. now? And I, it, it's probably the, the cookies going away, quite mm -hmm. honestly. I feel like we've prepared as much as we could, as much as anybody could to kind of understand where our marketing is going to have to change. But I think we're ready, but I would love to like almost look into a crystal ball and say, okay, what technology and what metrics do we need to capture now to be ready for when it happens? We think we know, but I, it would be nice to be 100% confident. <laughs> there is an element that does kind of then require a brand to really do just what you've just said, which is kind of now really think of, okay, we've been able to kind of lean on this area for a long time. Everybody has due to you know their own reasons. Privacy is now kind of jumping back in. We saw that kind of coming with what happened with Europe. And so it was like, this is probably coming here next, guys. Don't think that just because they're doing it there, oh, that's Europe. Don't worry about us. We, we knew it was kind of coming. I think for me, as I look at the kind of in essence, cookie-less world, I think that gives, at least on the media side, some of those brands a chance to be able to kind of rebuild their their brand presence a little bit. Companies still want to do business with brands they know, like, and trust. That's the same on the media side. There's a little laziness in sometimes of, let me just worry about behavioral contextual targeting. I don't really care where it, you know, where it lands. You start looking at long tail and you start saying like, gosh, there's a bunch of junky stuff in here. Like what's happening? To me, that probably will clean a lot of junkiness uh, brands will have to work a little harder to make sure that they're talking to the right consumers in the right ways, but you'll probably see a little a little less ad fraud going on out there and you'll probably see the best, you know, the best brands will probably again rise themselves, you know, kind of back up 
uh, to the top from there. So listen, we've got just a couple of more uh, minutes. Again, we want to thank uh, Taryn uh, Raymond, the uh, Chief Marketing Officer at FTD for joining us on this episode of the CMO Suite. So I'm going to bring it a little full circle. You had said that your dad was an entrepreneur when you were a kid and then kind of went into the corp- corporate world. What did he do? What was the entrepreneurial role that he that he had? Do you remember? Yeah, so he, he started a, a carpet installing business. So he was a very handy man and, and that was one of the things that he knew how to do. So yeah. And was your mom a stay-at-home mom? She was for a little bit when I was younger and then um, and then she she went into sort of like like accounting world once we started going back to school. So and business all over the place. <laughs> and so as you look back at your career, what role, if any, do you think that youth may have played in some of your in some of your path? Do you think it played some? Do you think it played none? Do you think you were able to kind of just get this sense of hard work and determination and just whatever the job is, you kind of go in and, and, and focus on it? I, I I think it definitely, I would I would have to say that watching my dad build his own business and then kind of continue to grow within the corporate world and how hard he worked to get where he was, it really instilled that value in me. I mean, I just, I I, whenever I'm kind of in the zone and just working so hard, I think about how he used to do that. And I think that that, that piece of it's super important. And I'm, I'm definitely grateful that it. he passed that on to me. Last question, which are just uh, mentors. Um, obviously, we've talked a bit about uh, Charlie. I don't, I don't mean to turn this into the Charlie show for crying out loud. It gets enough press as it is. We want to make sure that, uh, that this is the Taryn show. But have you had other mentors uh, in your life other than perhaps Charlie, people that either you feel like you can lean on from time to time or somebody who just kind of gave you a break the lo- you know, along the way and didn't realize how important they were in your life? Yeah, I mean, certainly Charlie. I mean, I, I think we spoke about that. He's definitely one of my biggest mentors. I go to him for advice and he's taught me more than I could even say. But I, I actually have someone at every role that I continue to reach out to and keep in touch with who has taught me, taught me so much as well. I think it's really important to be able to have those people you can call, ask for advice, see what's going on in the space and just kind of like have these conversations. So it's, yeah, I mean, everywhere that I've been, I've, I definitely have someone who's been really important to me. And so that's, again, just as we put a button on this episode of the CMO Suite, it is something I try to remember myself and certainly try to remember to, to kind of put out there, which is now that, you know, that we're becoming more senior level people in some cases, obviously not everybody that listens to the show is in that role, but a lot, our chief marketing officers or VPs or, you know, they have teams underneath them is just remembering that moment that somebody kind of not necessarily gave you a break, but they kind of gave you some of their time and how impactful that was to you in ways they may not have even remembered it. Here we're three years later and I'm still remembering an episode so that Charlie said something on and you just never know, you know, you never know what that is. And so again, remembering that as, as executives out there, especially now because it's harder and harder to walk down a hall and stand by somebody's desk and give them little bits of advice, utilize the platforms that you have available to you out there, utilize LinkedIn when you're out there to kind of share that. And if that doesn't work, send flowers because that's always, that's always nice. How was that for a last uh, little uh, plug at the tail end of there, Taryn? I, I couldn't agree more. That was perfect. <laughs> Thanks. I'll be uh, I'll be looking at my door to see what the Rose arrangement you know maybe shows up. Uh, I'll use that for one of my dates coming up, and then I'll just pull in you know OK Cupid, who we've got coming up later on this season as well. I listen. All this is really just about me. This has nothing to do with anybody else. It's all just about me and figuring out how do I get a discount on flowers. Uh, listen, Taryn Raymond, uh, Chief Marketing Officer at FTD. Thank you so much for joining us. Um, on this podcast, I absolutely love when something can kind of come full circle like that. And I think this is probably one of the first episodes where we've had where somebody that we'd had on previously moves into a new role and then we get introduced to somebody completely new that now becomes part of our portfolio and our family as well. So thank you very much for taking some time with us today and being on the CMO Suite. Thank you so much. Thanks for hanging out in the CMO Suite. 
podcast for marketers who want to be in the know. Presented by Connectivity Holdings. You're a C-level manager. You shouldn't have to know the difference between behavioral or contextual targeting. But your agency should. UConnect provides brands and biddable teams direct access to platforms like the Trade Desk, Google, Amazon, Facebook, OTT, and more. Their U.S.-based traders can train your in-house team or provide complete transparency with no minimums and CPM-based service pricing for true transparency. Something Mighty Hive, The Trade Desk, and Centro simply don't offer. Tired of being the smartest one in the room? Reach out to UConnex today for a free demo. UConnex, the world's leader in true, transparent, biddable media. Season 6 of the CMO Suite is presented by Bid for Media. Bid for Media is the leader in providing biddable media solutions across all forms of media, including traditional, digital, social, experiential, and more. It's like eBay for media, with choices from radio and TV advertising to OTT, trade desk, display advertising, influencer marketing, and more. No sign-up fees, no boring training, no bullshit. Visit them at bidformedia.com. And Winmo. Winmo is one of the leading sales prospecting tools that delivers the information you need to identify opportunities and close more deals with advertisers and agencies. Search brands, agencies, or contacts and leverage Winmo's smart filters to pare down thousands of prospects based on annual revenue, job title, locations, mobile occurrence, planning periods, and more. Visit them today at winmo.com. And finally, No Kid Hungry. With season six, we'll be completing our 100th episode of the CMO Suite, and we're proud to announce we'll be compiling highlights of our previous guests for a book called CMO Suites, Recipes for Success with proceeds to benefit the No Kid Hungry organization. Help feed hungry kids by donating today at nokidhungry.org.